0: Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I am Mike Schaefer, joined by my esteemed colleagues, Brian Christofferson. I don't know why I said his name so weird. Michael Brunts. I said his name relatively normal.
1: Uh, gentlemen, how are you? Did you call me Brian Christofferson? Christofferson?
0: No, I, I really emphasize the Chris, I think. Oh, okay. Uh, it's like Brian Christofferson, like that. I don't, I don't know. I don't know why I did it. I didn't mean to do it. It just happened. Uh, you know, it's all was, right. That's, that's kind of our podcast in general, though. We don't always know why we're trying to do what we're doing. It just sort of happens. Right, Brent?
2: Yes. Yes.
0: All right. Well, thanks for that long-winded answer, as always. <laughs> Glad that we could break up the monotony of your life with this podcast. Uh, would you like to share anything with us before we get to these subjects at hand?
2: Uh, no, um, just kind of getting caught up on things, lots, lots of things happening for, uh, you know, nothing going on, you know, for no actual sports being played. I feel like we're on a, uh, maybe a little bit of an uptick though. We've got Korean baseball. We've got still Taiwanese baseball. feels like things are, uh, looking up. You might have some Bundesliga soccer, some PGA tour golf, maybe even a little bit of NASCAR if we're lucky.
0: Do you, I mean, I, I know you have your Taiwanese baseball team. Do
2: you have a Korean one selected? I don't. I, uh, I root for them all equally. I root for bat flips is basically what I root for. That's kind of where I'm at with it too. And uh, I don't know. It's, now the Korean baseball is there. I'm a little bit out on the Taiwanese baseball. It's a higher level baseball they play in Korea. So we're, so we're, we're inching up baseball snub, Michael Bruns. A little bit. The guy who covers Big 10 baseball is a big baseball snub. <laughs> I would I would take a Rutgers Purdue doubleheader at this point over Taiwanese baseball? Yes. Oh wow. That the crowds would be about the same size. <laughs> now or before? Uh well, if they allowed fans in, At the Big Ten game, it would be about the same as what they have currently in Taiwan. So, Uh, That is not a good sign for for those programs, or for Taiwan.
0: All right, that's enough
2: about Taiwanese
0: Big Ten baseball challenge. Uh, We'll see if we can make that trend on Twitter later this week. Nebraska picked up another commitment on Friday. Uh, Patrick Payton, outside linebacker, they now have six commitments. They have three linebackers and three linemen. Will they get another commitment from another position, Brian Christopherson, or will they always have linebackers and linemen and that's just what Nebraska is going to do going forward?
1: Uh, that's just it. I think they're just going with two positions in this class, so that's okay. Um, I, I thought it was a pretty uh, pretty good pickup the more I uh, looked into old Patrick Payton. I liked how rangy he is. I like that Nebraska continues to be um, – put their footprints in the sand down in the Miami area in Florida. Um, and I don't think they're going to stop anytime soon with that. And, um, I, so I, everything about that, that commitment, I thought was, uh, he was good. Maybe a little under the radar compared to all the Terrence Lewis talk, but still a very good prospect from a very talent rich area, uh, with a lot of speed and, uh, A guy who had a ton of sacks last year too—that jumped out at me.
2: I I was watching his film and kind of digging in a little bit. He seems like I mean, we—I think we've talked about this quite a bit on the podcast before. That it seems like outside linebacker, especially you know, in, in rare occasions, are you getting kind of the complete package? And I'm not saying that that he is that, but he seems comfortable playing in space, and I think that's the area that trips up a lot of guys in a three, four, when they get to college is, yeah, you, you can, you know, get after the quarterback. You you can, you're quick and, and can run that way, but you know, how do you cover, how do you kind of, you know, eat up space? And I think he does that pretty well. And, and I think that that's to me, you know, you, you're going to have to add weight uh, for sure. He's only what 205, 210 pounds right now. So that uh, there's that, but it, it seems like the instincts are there. It seems like a guy that you can really kind of bring along in this defense, I think, and, and have a guy be a difference maker. And also for the reasons that Brian said, I mean, it's another pull out of South Florida. It seems like, you know, I don't want to start using uh, mashed up names for states in Nebraska again, but Nebraska's had some good success down there, and hopefully that continues for them. It's no floor, of Nebraska, for you? No. No, burn me once on Calabrasca. Shame on me. Shame Myamaska, on you. Do, you, do you want Mayamasca? Is that better? That, that that doesn't seem any better.
0: They all seem pretty bad. Yeah. They really do. Patrick Payton doesn't seem bad. Andrew Ivans really likes this gift for Nebraska. I mean, he when we talked before the commitment was set to be announced, he was more or less gushing about this guy. He thinks that it's a really nice, fine – by the Huskers, not, not even really fine because this is a guy that had offers from Penn State and Florida State and Georgia and Miami. I mean, it's not like Patrick Payton wasn't a known player, but the fact that Nebraska is able to get him out of Florida, and there's not a whole lot of concern based on the conversations I've had with a couple of people that he is just you doing this to ultimately lock in a spot in hopes to jump somewhere else. I mean, recruiting is always fluid, but he seems to be fairly comfortable with this coaching staff and really likes Travis Fisher, obviously, but really likes Scott Frost, Eric Shenander, and Mike Dawson. And those last three are are really important, two of which are going to be hugely important in terms of coaching them. And so I I think that Nebraska found a guy that they are going to have in their class through the fruition of it. I think, again, another example of of strong evaluating – from Travis Fisher in that area and certainly from Eric and and Mike Dawson on signing off on it and then going to work in terms of recruiting them. And we, we had this discussion about a year ago and and I said something that some people disagreed with at the time. And I still think it's relatively true. Like I just, I think if, and when Nebraska's defense takes off and they finally get solved the mystery of the pass rush and the outside linebackers, it's not going to be this situation where they go and get the five-star guy that everybody in the country wants. It's going to be a continual build and development of those guys that step into the next role the year after somebody leaves that was productive and they're as productive, if not better. And that they, they are building a machine and they need that machine to be continuous. And I just, I don't think that there's going to be this immediate solution and a guy like Patrick Payton isn't someone I expect to play in 2021, but he is someone that I think contributes in 2022 and 2023. And what you're really hoping for is at that point, and and all of this sounds bad. I understand as I'm saying that out loud, people want the pass rush fixed now. People want the sacks now. People want everything now. Patrick Payton's a play for 2022 and 2023. And if it hits, he could be a really good player. And the guy that, Andrew Ivins kept comparing him to Greg Russo, was a redshirt freshman that had 15 and a half sacks and was very comparable to Ivins in terms of body size, profile, and everything, athleticism during their junior year of high school. So it's about getting them in the program and developing them. I mean, I, it, it's a different conversation than having someone that's going to help in 2020 and 2021. And I just think that Nebraska fans, and it sucks because I feel like we say this all the time have to be patient with it but Nebraska also has to go out find these guys and develop them they need to hit on Blaze Gunnerson. they need Nico Cooper to be the guy that Ryan Held thinks he's going to be but they need that stuff to happen over time and it's not going to be immediate and I do think that Patrick Payton is the kind of get that three years from now we might be talking about what a big win that was and three months from now he's just another guy in the class
2: but the difference in those two things are huge So Nebraska has their six commitments, so that means they have space for 19 more offensive linemen and linebackers, depending on how you want to divvy that up. Yeah, I think they'd probably try to keep it somewhat symmetrical,
0: so 18 and a solid, you know, nine of each. They'll
2: get like uh, a long snapper?
0: No, I, I think they'll go with 24 and they'll have 12 linebackers and 12 offensive linemen. So you have one that can sub in on your 11 at any time. Uh, And then those linebacker and offensive linemen that are sitting out also have to take on specialist roles. One of them (laughs) is going to be the punter, and the other one is going to be a kicker.
2: Teddy Prohaska is out there kicking field goals. I'd I'd pay to watch that. Did he talk Uh, about that with you, Brian?
1: Is he a field goal kicker? uh, He did not say that. But uh, he's a he's an avid bass fisherman. So uh, those conversations that you thought went out the window with Khalil and Carlos Davis about bass fishing locally, they're they're going to be back in a big way. Um, so he's been he's been bass fishing and working out every day. Teddy has.
0: Yeah, how was that conversation for you? That's a guy that we don't probably write about enough because he's already safely in the boat. I'm not thinking he's going anywhere. Oh, fishing pond yeah um it wasn't used, even really intended like, <laughs> but i'll let b c handle those
1: yeah i used a, quite a few of the fishing puns in the story about teddy uh, so he probably is rolling his eyes reading those but uh yeah i he's a very articulate kid um i i think he's uh i mean his frame he's just he's just still growing he's i mean he was two hundred fifty pounds at the end of his sophomore season, he said. And then that summer, he shot up to like 280. Um, So he went about – he gained about 30 pounds there uh, in three months or so. And he's sitting at 282 now. But I think people think he can get to, you know, 310, 315, 320 range. And that's what sticks out about all these offensive linemen, the three commits, is they're just giants. I mean, Teddy Pro Haska. Is he says he was six nine on his last doctor visit, and then you got uh, Jaeger, the recent kid. I mean, he's a huge guy. What's he listed at three hundred thirty pounds or something like that? Yeah, six seven, three thirty. So uh, these, th- we're getting in that. I used to stand next to Zach up when we do interviews, and I was like, man, this guy is. He was one of those guys where you're just like this guy is something else size wise. I have a feeling we're going to fill that a lot more with some of these offensive linemen that we're talking about as they get into the program. Why is it when a guy like Teddy
0: Prohoska gains 30 pounds in three months, it's celebrated, but when I did the same thing multiple (laughs) times throughout my life, it's considered a big concern, and I need to consult with a doctor.
1: It's just the the way you spin it. You just got to spin it right. If you if you if you build it the right way, I I think it, people will get behind it. They'll be like, oh, okay, he's he wants to do that. So just just make frame it in a positive manner. I
0: guess. I mean, I I'll look into that. I guess. Um, let's let's go back to Florida here for a little bit. BC wrote a story last week after this commitment about Nebraska's success, kind of going into Florida. It it, it fascinates me in this way. The twenty 19 class did not have any players from the state of Florida in it. The 2020 class did. It had multiple guys, whether it was Lynam in the Orlando area, whether it was Keyshawn Green in the Panhandle, whether it was all the success they had in South Beach. And now they turn around and they got a guy in Patrick Payton again out of South Beach in Miami. I had a conversation with Andrew Ivans on my radio show, and he said that he talked with Manny Diaz about this. And I, I think this is really interesting because I think there's some parallels to Nebraska. Manny Diaz believes that Miami is in such a situation right now that schools that are comparable, like in Nebraska in terms of the success and lack of success in recent years, are able to more ably come in and recruit their players because Miami is so stale inside that bubble, because every conversation is about why they can't get this fix or that they aren't winning games or this or that. And I feel like there's, there's some real similarities with what Nebraska has, where a kid like Patrick Payton is easier for them to go and get, but Nebraska is a stale program to someone like Avante Dickerson, who's 50 miles down the road. And while heavily recruited, there's not near as many schools that come to Omaha as there are that go to Miami. You guys have thoughts on that?
2: It's it's interesting, and it's I mean it's funny whenever you look at this year's NFL draft. Um, there was a long wait for that first Miami player to get drafted, longer than you know they've had in quite some time. I think it was like late fifth, early sixth round. I mean it was pretty comparable to where Nebraska was, but I, I think I think there's some truth to that. I mean I, I think when you know, you're a kid growing up in Nebraska and, you know, this isn't a broad brush by any means. I mean, there, there's still a lot of kids in this state that the N on the helmet means a ton to them. And, and I don't think that changes, but I think that there's, um, you know, especially for highly recruited guys that are getting offers from, you know, Florida or, uh, places in California or Oregon or LSU or wherever. I mean, I think that there's definitely, a uh, you know, it's less of a slam dunk than maybe it used to be, and Nebraska's having to work a lot harder. And I, I part of that is that you know, Nebraska hasn't been uh, consistently good for a while. And you know, you, you can kind of sell, I think, for guys to come to come and and stay in state and be the one to turn everything around. But at, at some point, I think that that rings a little bit hollow. And you know, the other part of it is too is when you start seeing guys that you know, are around, go and have success other places, it kind of opens your eyes a little bit. I mean, I think that, you know, heck, look at the guys at Miami Northwest. I think Nebraska's done a really nice job of kind of getting in there, getting a few guys, uh, having them sign. And, and you know, I, I think it at least kind of opens the the thinking for these kids that there's a possibility of, you know, heck, why not Nebraska if you want to get out of state or if you want to go experience something else. So I, I can see that. And, and I think especially... I think it's especially true in Miami where you're talking, you know, the not just the state, but a couple counties down there that were such feeders for those guys. And and I, I think a lot of other schools have gone in there and proven that uh
1: you know that they can get guys out of there. I I think of it like this sometimes. When I was a kid in the nineties, I would think of Nebraska's like 1970 and 71 national title teams as being so far in the distance. like, it was so long ago to me. And now I think of kids now who are being recruited, who are 17, 18 years old, um, who were not alive, uh, when Nebraska last won a conference championship and what, well, 19, some of the nineties stuff and some of Nebraska's successes, they still seem fresh enough in some of our minds of a certain age. Uh, but if you put yourself in the shoes of those kids, uh, I mean, all they've seen is kind of uh, instability in and a, a program that has uh, went through some coaches and not won championships. And I think Scott Frost and this staff is trying to uh, calm those waters right now. But that's that's the obstacle they're up against: is all that recent history that these kids have seen. Um, you know, it, it. You know, in Miami's case, they've lost the cool factor. I mean, they're no longer. Right now, they're not thought of as the you and the cool university they were in the late 80s and 90s down or down there. It's, it's, it, that's so distant to those kids, I'm sure. And so Manny Diaz has a big fight on his hands as well.
0: I think we're also just sort of seeing in general that proximity isn't as big of a deal right now as maybe it was in the past. Brunt's mentioned the NFL draft. One of the things that kind of surprised me, is I think there was like eight or nine guys from the state of Texas that went before the first player that went to Texas or Texas A&M was drafted. And I I just – some of that is there's a lot of talent in that state and they can't take everyone. But I I just do think that proximity and – and kids staying close to home, we know it's not true in basketball anymore. And and it could be that way in football, too, where the world has gotten smaller. It's a lot easier to understand and learn about other schools and envision yourself in other places. And the opportunities exist to go out and do something different, And especially at Nebraska, where they were pretty late in terms of having other teams even come in to, to really recruit their talent. Uh, that has changed over as well, too, where now you have a lot more teams in there. And a guy like Mike O'Reilly is, is a national recruit as a high three star, you know, Keegan Johnson, we're still talking really regional because there's Iowa and Kansas state and Nebraska. But when we're talking Avante Dickerson or Mike O'Reilly, or, you know, Devin Jackson, even uh, those guys are, are going to be national guys. And and that really changes the, the tenor of the conversation, but let's, let's close out our recruiting conversation with this. Nebraska made two quarterback offers. On Monday, one of them to Riley Leonard in Alabama, uh, reached out to some different people about him. And this is a guy that I'm told is just an outstanding athlete, uh, very good basketball player as well, and someone that recruiting people down there in the South were sort of waiting to see when he was going to blow up, and then wondered if because of everything that happened with with the coronavirus, it has slowed his recruitment down, and then he still managed to to pull in a few now Power Five offers with Nebraska, Syracuse and Duke and uh, a guy that I think is, is pretty intriguing. I'm told he could change positions too. Uh, so I, I have yet to reach out and, and get a hold of Riley Leonard and learn more about that offer. But that was of interest. But the big one, I think for people around here, Heinrich Harburg, Carney Kaplan kid. We've talked about him on this show before. Brian's talked to him. I've talked to him. He's hes definitely made the rounds in the Nebraska media Starved for content as it is. What do you guys make, of Nebraska coming through with this offer. They they went against their own sort of uh plan to wait to see him throw and they offered him. Uh do you expect Heinrich Harburg to be the quarterback in Nebraska's twenty twenty one class? We'll start with you, Brian.
1: Um, yeah, uh, Har- Harburg, um, I think, an exciting prospect, you, you know, with, with just his speed that he has at that size. A guy who has size 17 shoes who can get those puppies moving like he does and run 100 and, you know, a ten eight 8 or whatever time he was planning on posting this spring, he has that burst that they look for first and foremost And I think it was one of those deals where, yeah, you would have loved to have seen him throw in person and kind of confirm it and do it the way you normally do it. But these are uh, abnormal times and you got to kind of think outside the box. And Harburg was getting a lot of uh, offers that were starting to pile up. And I think Nebraska felt like, you know what, we got to jump in on this now. The good news is Mario Verduzco and Scott Frost, I think, have had a good relationship with him all along prior to the offer. It wasn't like they distanced himself from him, and then all of a sudden showed up at his doorstep the other day with an offer. Mario Verdusco's talked to him all the time, and so I think that relationship and the fact that they never uh, they never really walked away from him at all is going to could pay dividends here. You know, he's going to explore his options for a little bit as he should, but I, I still got to think the Husker legacy thing uh, will pull at him on this one.
2: It's interesting. I mean, Nebraska offers. Then NC State offers with Tim Beck, uh, who's there now. Vanderbilt offers. You know, I, I think there were, I think there were a lot of schools, and especially schools that don't have a, a quarterback in 2021, that were going to swing through Kearney this spring. They wanted to see him throw. I think there's also I think I've said this before that I think there's sometimes a hesitance on the, the part of some schools when they look at a prospect like that in Nebraska, especially one that's a little bit, you know, farther out in the, out, out west in the state of, okay, well, you know, why hasn't Nebraska offered this kid yet? And, and they want to do their due diligence a little bit. Sometimes Nebraska offering kind of opens things. Um, so. You know, I, I I think he ends up at Nebraska. I I also think that he's probably going to wait and see what this Nebraska offer kind of does in terms of loosening up some things for these schools that he's been talking to that haven't offered yet. I mean, that there's you know ACC schools, scc schools that don't have quarterbacks yet in 2021, and if you look at kind of what's out there right now, there's not a ton of options left. Um, so I, that might benefit a guy like Henry Henry Hartberg, but it's. You know, I I think Nebraska did did right by him. I I think, you know, they saw enough in the film to be able to offer. And, you know, if you kicked it far enough down the road, um, you risk kind of, you know, looking reactionary to a kid in your own state. So uh, I I think he ends up in Nebraska, but uh, maybe it's going to take a little bit uh, of time for that to occur.
0: All right. Well, speaking of time, we're going to take a timeout. And when we come back, we'll get into Nebraska's latest edition, at running back, some moves in the transfer portal, and whatever else we come up with. Is is the wheel coming out today, Bruns?
2: Uh, I haven't
0: saving that for later in the week.
2: I haven't engraved anything new, so it might just – You're engraving
0: now? This is what you do if
2: you're free time? Yeah, I've always engraved things.
0: Wow. Didn't know that. Mm-hmm. So you just wrote it down on a piece of paper and then replaced the piece of paper with a new piece of paper.
2: No, it's like the, the, the Claret jug. It gets a new, th- new, uh, new thing every time. All right. Well, no Claret jug. It's coming out this week. Uh, we will be back though with some
0: John Bivenstock and more here on the Husker 24 seven podcast.
1: Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky
0: Welcome back to the Husker 24-7 podcast. I am Mike Schaefer still. Brian Christopherson is still here. I assume Michael Brunts hasn't left the building, but you never really know. And with his Still here. Silence. No, he is here. Wow. Look still at that. Here. That's exciting. All right, Brunts, we'll start with you. John Bivens showed up to Nebraska's spring game in 2018 before Scott Frost and company ever coached a game. He'd later take an official visit in 2019. He didn't sign anywhere as part of a 2019 class and is now walking on to Nebraska to play running back. What are your thoughts on this addition of John Bivens and the,
1: the kind of long road that he took to end up with the Huskers?
0: I, BC? I think
1: – yeah. Well, I think let, – let's just talk about Nebraska's running back picture now. I think they have okay depth as it stands with Marvin Scott and Sevian Morrison coming in, joining Mills and Ramirez. That gives you a four, and you're feeling like, okay – Uh, You're on more sturdy ground. But now there's two other guys in the equation who are similar, and Bivens and Ronald Tompkins, who have basically both been out of football for two years, more or less, and they both had serious injuries. And if both of those guys happen to hit, or even were just productive players, solid players for you, suddenly suddenly Nebraska's depth looks amazing. Um, Now, that's a big if, though. Um, but that's what you're willing to take right now, especially with a walk-on like Bivens. And I know there's – some. There, I think you said Schaefer re- recently on one of these deals. There's some optimism about Ronald Tompkins, and maybe this is finally the time where we get to actually see what he can do. Uh, so those guys, I'm not willing to make a bold prediction about either of those two Boo! players. Boo! Sorry. Uh, I'm not willing bold to do – predictions
0: only on this podcast.
1: But I First one to score a touchdown. Uh, Ronald Tompkins. Okay. Uh, 43 yards, Ronald Tompkins <laughs> off, off, off the right side. We're um, back.
2: We're more <laughs> Specific. <laughs> uh. ne-
1: never lost his speed. He just shows what he had before the injury. So, yeah, if that happens, though, if Ronald or one of those two hits, it's, uh, their depth is pretty good. But, uh, you know, what can you lose on this one? There's nothing to lose.
0: Yeah, it, it's a it's an all win sort of situation. It reminds me of similar. the 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 circumstances are very different. But King Frazier was a guy that walked on at Nebraska that really was good enough to play and and ultimately transferred and won a national title with North Dakota State. I mean, that's the kind of depth that he's going to provide. King Frazier didn't do much at Nebraska because at the time he was here, they were pretty deep with running backs at that point. But I, I think that John Bivens can be a nice player for Nebraska. I, I really do think that Ronald Tompkins is going to to be able to to cash in on some of that potential that he had years ago that he still has now. He just hasn't been able to to stay healthy. I think that if he can get a year or two where he can do that, he's going to be able to show up. But the the big thing, the big guys are going to be those incoming freshmen at running back. I mean, do you, Bruncey, anticipate both Marvin Scott and Sevian Morrison – Play more than four games in the the next season.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think going off of what Scott Frost said about Scott, I mean, I, I think he is physically ready to play. I think Morrison has the kind of uh, do it all approach and skill set that works for Nebraska's running back spot. I, I think I think those three guys are the main uh, your, your main stable, and then let's see what you have with Tompkins and Bivens and. Brody belts back there too. And whoever else, but um, yeah, I mean, I I think at the running back spot too, they're in a situation where they they need to find difference makers. They have to be able to run the ball better uh, in 2020. And I I think you you do see both of those freshmen get over four uh, as it stands right now.
1: I think, I think a lot will depend if Ramir makes the big jump, and is really productive and they feel good about him. I could see where one of the two incoming true freshmen uh, plays four games and stops there, and the other guy goes over, and I don't know which one is going to do it. Um, I could see that scenario, but I think that hinges on Ramir Johnson um, taking that next step. He has a great burst, but now he's got to kind of, I think, bulk up to be a Big 10 running back. Uh, we saw against Maryland when he played a little bit. He went down on first contact a little too easy in that game, um, but yet you saw the acceleration. So if he if he adds the 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 uh, the sturdiness to his speed, I think Nebraska could get by redshirting one of the newcomers. But I'm also fine if they get past that and they just get in this mode where hey, we're playing guys now. And we're going to get kind of past this game of uh, this game of chicken we're playing with certain guys, like they did with Ramirez last year.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I, it's interesting. We're going to go from a conversation about running back where there's not a lot of depth to offensive line where there's so much depth the guys that have walked on that we've talked about that were drafted in the uh, the spring roster draft are entering in the transfer portal. Nebraska with three different linemen. Is that correct? that uh, are former walk-on guys that are entered into the portal that are going to seek opportunities elsewhere. My main takeaway there is that Nebraska's deep on the offensive line, and they're only going to get deeper with this incoming class uh, with guys like Teddy Perhoska and Branson Yeager and Henry Lutovsky. And I think this, again, speaks to the great work that Greg Austin and company have done in rebuilding Nebraska's offensive line. Because for years, there was usually one walk-on guy that was starting because they just didn't have enough numbers or, you know, that was that was the case. Now, last year, Trent Hickson started for Nebraska. He's going to have the opportunity to battle for his spot again this year. But I, I fully expect that Nebraska is deep enough on the offensive line that they're going to be going predominantly
1: scholarship guys for the foreseeable future. Thoughts? Among among the three who left, I felt Forbes – Forbes was the guy we heard about the most. Obviously, Trevino just got here. I mean, he enrolled in January, so he wasn't here – he was here for two practices. But Forbes was the guy who Greg Austin early on said, I really love this guy in the weight room and all this and that. And I and he was being genuine, but you guys – I mean, you hit it on the head. There, there's just so many bodies there. There's like 16, 17 scholarship guys. You throw in New Ely um, you know coming over from Colorado State and he'll have a, a say in matters here uh, down the road um, it's it's hard living right now for a walk-on alignment um, that doesn't mean you can't do it Trent Hickson was a started as a walk-on and built himself into a starter uh, but it's not it's not going to be easy and you know that's a good thing for Nebraska football to be actually in the position and uh, they're in. In a way, it's actually a positive sign the headlines that came out this last week.
0: All right, gentlemen, any final thoughts before we depart into the, uh, the night here and come back on Thursday as Brunce has finished his etching or carving or whatever it is that he's doing?
2: I've got one for you. So Big Ten extends its ban on everything until June 1st. Will there be any camps on Nebraska's campus this summer? No, I'd say no
0: too. Yeah, all right. I (laughs) I I do want to add to that. I think it's more likely than not that while there won't be camps as we know them, summer camps and all of that stuff, I can see the NTA allowing for visits uh, for universities that are willing or or basically the NTA taking the. the restrictions off in terms of allowing for visits and leaving it up to conferences and individual schools to make that decision. I think that could happen. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if if Nebraska does host a few people this summer. But I do think it's noteworthy that with some of the guys I've talked to recently, uh, they're talking about visits in the season at this point, and Nebraska's talking to them about visits in the season at this point. So. Um, keep that in mind. But I, I do think we're likely to see some visits this summer. I don't think we're going to see camps.
2: It's interesting. The the Lindenwood, Missouri mega camp has been pushed to July uh, to try to get that one in. I
0: just feel like they're trying to chase, uh, yeah. chase the magic number, and I, I just don't see it. And you've been to those camps in BC. I think you've been to those camps too. I mean, it's just a ton of people. And uh, whether it's uh, the fans sitting in the the stand or whether it's the guys lined up waiting to run the 40 or whether it's everybody hulked around the the center as you have the one-on-ones going on, I just I don't see a limited number of camps being a thing that actually happens. And I I just think that if there'd be too many hoops to jump through for it to be a, a thing that happens this summer. So what, what are your thoughts, Brunt?
2: Well, no, I mean, it. I, I agree, I, and it's the, the thing that sucks is when you have guys who, I mean, there's a there's a number of guys within the state who are kind of on the cusp of yep. um, power five offers, and guys that had some pretty ambitious, you know, camp schedules set up for the summer, and you know, maybe you see more schools just offer uh, based on film the kind of similar to uh what nebraska did with with harvard but you're just not getting that opportunity this summer i don't think to get out in front of a lot of schools and, and that's just too bad for those guys in that 2021 class final
1: thoughts bc um, not related to camps. My final thought for everyone out there is uh, invest in a hammock. I put up a hammock in my backyard recently. And in these tough times, you go lay out in that hammock, sway a little bit, look up through the trees, clears your mind. It's beautiful. It was,
0: that was among <laughs> my favorite parts of the resort in Mexico in February, just laying in a hammock and reading and then just getting sun
2: drunk, basically. Yeah. Brian Christox in here for hammocks.
1: <laughs> I'm serious. I the, that hammock the last two days has like completely changed my mindset. People like, it, you need people need to order one and put it up. It's it's great.
0: Now is it a hammock between two trees or did you get that thing where it's a couple different poles in the ground and it it looks like a you know stretched out tetherball
1: thing? Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't describe it as what you just said at the end. But yeah, there's <laughs> no, I poles in right the around. ground. Yeah, I didn't have two trees that were close enough. I mean, that's ideal. That's true hammock living, but I couldn't pull that off. But I do have a great tree that I'm under um, that's just perfect for it. Um, the only problem is the first day I got in it, I I didn't do the chain quite right, and I laid in it, and it was great for 40 minutes, and I had a cup of coffee in my hand, oh, and I, no. I fell. I fell on the ground. Uh <laughs> And it hurt my back a little bit, but I readjusted the chain, and I think we're all good to go now. How many spill different ways
0: have you spilled coffee?
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I did spill on myself. Yeah, and on the, a little on the hammock, so it's already a little stained. But uh, that is a that is a coffee stain. If anybody's ever over at my house and sees that, that's what it is. It's a coffee stain. It's nothing else. I want to be clear on that.
2: Did you put but, the ball? Did you put the balm on?
1: I didn't put the ball on. <laughs> How many times in your life do you think you've spilled coffee? Oh, uh, Like 75 to
0: 100. Yeah. And it, it feels like there's different ways to it, too. It's not just like a really similar.
2: I mean, you've got a, you've got a hammock coffee spill story now. Yeah. See, that's Sha- that's pretty right. Schaefer's obviously not a coffee guy because it happens. If, if you drink enough coffee, it's like probably a couple times a week. Just right, sometimes it's like right down the chest, just like, just like total like flash uh, dance, just like. You miss your out mouth, like you're, you're, you're reading something and you go for yeah. the four and. I
1: just like right down the chin, down the, down the Adam's apple. Yeah, it happens. I like to drive with my mug like I have right now, you know, oh, everybody, fair. everybody else uses a thermos but that'll burn the crap out of your mouth the, those things i mean it, you got to wait for a while before you can even taste the coffee otherwise you're going to not have a tongue that works for like a week so i go with the mug and it also makes me feel like more like you're kind of in the office you know like hey how's it going you, with your mug in your hand so it, it, i to me it it makes me feel it just brings a good feeling is this could could this be a new segment for us called
0: corner and we could get it sponsored and you guys just talk about coffee stories for
1: five minutes each week? Is that a thing? Can we, we do that? Could, we could try or hammocks. We could, we could try to... <laughs> we could, hammock hangout on the Oscar
0: 24-7 podcast.
1: I'm, what, I'm what are serious, these podcasts so. you're going to have to do from the hammock? You know yeah. that. Right? It can't today because the wind is like a tornado out there, but um, I'm like telling... Flight. Yeah, it is. I'm it's telling like you guys... Get yourself a hammock. It's it's just mind blowing. It just it makes you feel so much better. Did your dog hate the hammock? No, he loves it. Does he sit up there with you? Yeah, I bring him up there.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> He's a little you guy.
0: Your, you have your coffee, your hammock, and then a book or your phone. You're just you're yeah. just taking a nap.
1: I I took a nap there once yeah. the other day too. So
0: I'm jealous, even though it's a tetherball setup.
1: Well. When things get normal you can come over and take a take a spin in it. I'll I'll examine the stain for sure. No doubt about it. Yep. All
0: right, Brunts. You've gone silent, so that means normal part of the podcast for us. Uh any final thoughts from you? BC talked hammocks, what do you got?
2: No, I, I uh I, I'll vouch for the hammock thing. Um I don't own one. I'd like to be a hammock owner someday. Uh, but I can also <laughs> I can also we can have coffee the coffee corner at some point uh, on the podcast and and share coffee stories i can I drank a pot of coffee last night at ten thirty and and was out by midnight so so it's I'm, losing its effect on you I'm impervious to caffeine
0: wow that's uh that is something all right well, those discussions and more to follow on Thursday when we come back with another. Husker 24-7 podcast. Be sure to check out everything on the website right now. Plenty of recruiting stories, plenty of other things going on. Check all of that out at Husker 24-7.